Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's going on, Dodgers fans? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are now 20 and 8 on the season. They're coming off an absolute blowout, beating the 12 and 17 Pittsburgh Pirates 11 to 1. Uh, your Dodgers crushed seven doubles today. It was the Justin Turner show. He went four for five with four RBIs, three doubles. Bryce Wilson, you might remember him. He started in the NLCS against the Dodgers back in 2020. Wind was on his side that day. It was not tonight. He gave up six runs to the Dodgers. Edwin Rios has homered back-to-back games. He's up to three home runs now on the season. And tonight's starter, Tony Gonsolin, continues to just absolutely deal like a blackjack dealer in Las Vegas. Five innings pitched, one hit given up, four walks, five strikeouts. And for being the number five starter in this Dodgers rotation, well, he has a 133 ERA on the season. Jake Reiner, your takeaways from the Dodgers' recent stretch going 8-2 and two over the, their last 10 games. Well, it's like they were talking about the broadcast on Spectrum uh, with Joe Davis and Dontrell Willis, which, by the way, Dontrell, I'm really enjoying listening to Dontrell Willis. I think he's got a really nice, fresh perspective. Um, he's kind of adopted the Dodgers as his own team, and um, he's funny, too. Um, I think that uh, him and Joe make a really good team on the road. But anyway, they were talking about this being an angry win for the Dodgers uh, coming out, scoring 11 runs the night prior uh, was very frustrating. Uh, The Dodgers hit the ball hard all over the field. And it just felt like the pirates were always there able to make the catch. And today it was the exact opposite. The pirates couldn't get to any fly balls out there and the Dodgers had their way with them. And, you know, this is a, this is a team we talked about, uh, this stretch for the Dodgers this month of May um, being sort of a, a softer schedule and, and taking care of the teams that they need to take care of. They sweep the Cubs. That was one team they need to take care of. Now they're onto the pirates. They've won one. They're going for the, uh, the series win uh, early morning tomorrow. And we'll get into who's starting that game a little bit later, but um, these are the teams you, you just have to beat, whether you sweep them or win the series, it's their, their must win series. Because if you take a look at the rest of the division, all the teams are over 500 at the moment. It's not going to stay that way. I don't think, but the, the NL West certainly by record standards is the best division in baseball. Definitely some great points that you just brought up and it's going to happen. The Dodgers weren't able to show up in that first game against the pirates, but the reality is that they just were coming off three games played over two days and they had to travel to Pittsburgh as well. So I'm sure there were some tired legs with the Dodgers. They couldn't find an answer in that loss against Jose Quintana, who was surprisingly off to a pretty steady start. But anyways, point is, yeah, the NOS is looking tough. So all these wins that the Dodgers are able to pile up early, it's just going to give them a cushion and confidence as the season rolls on. And like I said, open the show 11 to one win in this most recent effort. So they're legit. I want to circle back to Tony Gonsolin, who is just pitching out of his mind right now. 
for being considered the number five starter in the Dodgers rotation. Well, he's not pitching like one. On the season, he's got a 133 ERA. Some aces around the sport don't even have an ERA below two. Yeah, here's Gonsolin, like I said, the fifth starter. And then you got Tyler Anderson, who's their sixth starter, who's now in the rotation due to the, the Heaney injury. But we know Heaney's coming back soon, so maybe that tandem of Tony Gonsolin and Anderson will return shortly. But back on the Gonsolin front, the confidence is there. The only thing that really troubles Gonsolin is the walks that he surrenders. He gave up four walks in this most recent game, got into some trouble early on, had runners at the corners. Um, what could have been a sack fly but was prevented because Mookie Betts, in his second consecutive game, got an outfield assist. This one was to throw out Gamble at the plate. Austin Barnes made a sweet tag, preventing the run from scoring. But Gonsolin, he, not only is he not giving up runs, but he's barely given up any hard contact. I mean, you look at these advanced stats and the percentiles, and the higher the number I read, it means the better. So when I say in terms of hard hit rate, he's got the 97th out of 100 percentile. That's basically top three stuff. The chase rate is high, 87 out of 100. Getting a lot of whiffs as well. The X slugging high up there as well. So Tony Gonsolin right now, He's the real deal, and we've been kind of waiting for this. He's got the third best ERA since being called up in the sport. Right behind him, Walker Buehler's fifth best, and Julio Urias is seventh. This is since 2019. That was Gonsolin's debut. And so the breakout season is here for Tony, the Catman. As you know, Kevin, and if the you know the listeners out there that have been with us for a long time know I've always been a Tony Gonsolin fan. I even defended him in 2020 when they used him uh, sparingly and as an opener in the playoffs. Even after he struggled, I thought that the Dodgers just didn't give him enough of a, con- a, a consistent shot, coupled with the fact that he wasn't healthy. So now you've got both of those things at play. And you're seeing what a really good pitcher looks like in Tony Gonsolin. Now, um, what is encouraging is that this is his second start in a row that he's gone five innings, which is really encouraging. So if he can continue to eat innings and help this bullpen out, especially with uh, trying in out of the mix, um, I think that that is really crucial for a number five starter. And not only that, he's pitching like a number two, number three starter uh, on a lot of these um you know, uh, on a lot of teams out there that you, that, you know, you could consider him. Um, and, and it's kind of nice that we, uh, we don't have David tonight. So you and I can, can safely, um, uh, preach the praises of Tony Gonsolin without any dissenting opinion. But the, but the truth is, is you mentioned it, it, the control, and that's something that David always talks about is that his control is usually all over the place. You mentioned the four walks. I think that, um, if he can, you know, limit the walks, limit the pitch count, he can go deeper into games, but it is very encouraging that he's, he's showing no signs of injury. He's going out there, he's pitching five innings. He's getting the, uh, the enough innings to get the win. Uh, he's three and zero on the year. And then we keep seeing that stat that, that, that pops up since 2019, he's got one of the top ERAs in all of baseball. Uh, I know that ERAs don't really mean as much anymore, but um, it's still very, very impressive for a guy that basically has not really had a full shot yet in the rotation. And we're seeing that play out. Yeah. I'm pulling up the ERA for Tony Gonson right now. He has a 260 career ERA. I mean, a lot of hall of famers don't even have an ERA that low. Now, I don't expect Gonsolin to keep that up for the remainder of his career, but just the fact that he's off to that tremendous of a start when maybe most people didn't believe that, it's exceptional. And I think a lot of this is just credit to that splitter that he throws. It's a very difficult pitch to harness. I know it hurts a lot of guys' arms and hands to throw it just because the the movement, I think the grip is just intense. But Kevin Gossman and Frankie Montas are two names off the top of my head who are active right now that throw nasty splitters as well. And I don't know what it is about that pitch. Maybe it's just hard to barrel up on. But Gonsolin's really got great command of it as well. We see just so many swings and misses. Um, so back to so that's all I got to say about Tony Gonsolin. I wanted to also mention just Justin Turner because he had a phenomenal most recent outing. Four for five at the plate, three doubles, drove in four runs. The game before, 
he hit two balls, I believe, over 100 miles per hour, but one of them was robbed in left field by Ben Gamble, and then I think the other was a hard out double play to third base. But this was the type of game Justin Turner needed to have. His batting average is now up to 200. His OPS is about 550. The month of May is perfect for Turner because there are a lot of bad teams, which means he's going to face a lot of bad pitchers. And this is the exact type of spot you want for him. Get his confidence up. Get him rolling in May in the second half. So I, I'm really happy for JT. He's in the lineup every day. He's not taking games off. Notice that a lot more last season. He was kind of off every like three to four days. Not this season. He's starting every day. Right. Well, I mean, the DH is really helping with that. I think, you know, keeping his bat in the lineup. And uh, JT's another guy that I have stood behind no matter what. And, you know, up until this year, I mean, he's he's been – the Dodgers anchor in the middle of that lineup. Um, I mean, since what, 2015, 2016, it's been that way. I mean, he's just been a model of consistency leader in the clubhouse postseason records off the charts. I mean, this guy, um, I'm not saying that he's back so, so to speak, or, you know, is, is fully, is, is fully going to blossom from here on out. But I, I would caution fans, including you, Kevin, just, just to not count him out. I just don't think that a guy with his skill level and his ability to come through and drive in runs and be that guy in the middle of the order that you can really ever count him out. And I think he can still swing the bat. You know, yes, these are not good teams that he's facing in the Cubs and the Pirates, but this is major league pitching. And, you know, he's, he's, getting the job done when you need him to, and the Dodgers are winning. So to me, yes, he has been struggling, but honestly, given his breadth of work, I, I don't think you can ever count him out. And you mentioned the big night tonight, uh, Tuesday, um, but over his last seven games, seven RBIs, four of them coming in one game, three runs scored. Um, the average is creeping up uh, to the Mendoza line, as we know. But I think that if he can continue to put together good at-bats and drive in runs in the middle of that order, it, it, it's going to do wonders for this team, especially considering the fact that Max Muncy has, you know, really started off super slow. Bellinger, too, although he's picking it up a little bit. And uh, with the injury, we don't know, you know, how bad it is with Chris Taylor, but, you know, having Justin Turner be that guy for you um, and, and picking up guys like Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner and Mookie Betts who are all hitting the ball. Well, I think is, is huge for this team. And, and I'm never, I'm never going to slander Justin Turner. I don't care. He, he has done enough for this team to where I will never ever criticize him for the rest of his Dodger career. Yeah. Chris Taylor, it's day-to-day. Dave Roberts seemed optimistic that they might be able to get him into the lineup Wednesday, series finale. And then Will they, they said that Taylor wanted to stay in the game after that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that they were able to uh, get him out of the game when they did, just, just for precaution's sake. Yeah. So I think he'll be okay. Will Smith currently battling a pectoral injury. He's another day-to-day. I don't know if he's going to be in the lineup Wednesday. But Austin Barnes has been doing a pretty good job holding down the fort with Smith out. He's actually tied for the Major League League home runs amongst catchers with three of them right now. Which is unbelievable. And he had a, a he had a two-run double in this. And also game. and also with uh that throw from Mookie Betts from the outfield, that the, the if if Austin Barnes doesn't make that play, it was a tough catch and tag that he made. Um that runner would have scored. Yep. Off the air, I had been begging for this guy to get more at bats, and he's been in the lineup. He was in the lineup today. He might be in the lineup tomorrow. That's what Robert's hinted at. Talk about Edwin Rios, who is now up to a 310 batting average with only 29 at bats, a 954 on base plus slugging. Might be the hottest Dodger besides Freddie Freeman, I guess, in the lineup, though. Three home runs now, six RBIs, back to back home runs in Pittsburgh. We knew he looked locked in at spring training. The reason he can't get these starts consistently is because the Dodgers have been facing a lot of left-handed starters, and I guess they don't really trust Rios against that platoon yet. But when they get the right-handers on the mound, we saw this in 2020. Rios is a home run big shot in your lineup. He came up big in the postseason, and he could definitely be a big contributor with the Dodgers this season. It's no surprise that they chose him over Matt Beatty because we're seeing it now the results are already paying off early. Definitely. And 
to to their credit, I mean, Matt Beatty is the type of player that the Dodgers typically like, right? A guy that doesn't chase, that works the count. Um, but with Rios, you got a you got a real home run threat and a real RBI threat. And I think the Dodgers wanted that off the bench more than they wanted the quality at bat from Matt Beatty. And because the Dodgers were not going to be using pinch hitters a lot this season with the DH it's it's going to be tough for guys to stay ready and i'm i'm very impressed not only by edwin rios but by austin barnes we just mentioned and also hanser alberto to be ready when they're called upon i mean the, the the fact is is that they barely get any playing time as it is so when you got guys that are on the bench that can stay ready that can you know be put into the lineup and produce at a moment's notice, that's huge. And I'm so happy for Edwin Rios too, because if you remember at the beginning of 2020, it was a real struggle. And then you find out that he had a shoulder uh, injury and he was kind of out for the rest of the year. Um, it was it was really, really tough for him uh, at the plate. And it was a really tough watch as well. So I really like the fact that, uh, that he's in the lineup. I hope that they continue to put him out there um, if he continues to hit. But it's tough, though. I mean, this lineup is so stacked that, you know, it's it's tough to find him at bats. It's wild because unlike last year, when it, whether it was the guys on the bench or the guys that they just called up from AAA, I'm trusting every single guy that is on this Dodgers bench right now, whether it's Austin Barnes, Hanser Alberto, Edwin Rios. And then on top of that, they've got some guys just absolutely slugging in the minors right now. Kevin Pillar is on an absolute crazy tear up in AAA. Zach McKinstry is just tearing the cover off the ball as well. We saw him called up a couple times and not really get any at-bats with the Dodgers. And then Jake Lamb, who we saw a lot of in spring training, he hit a grand slam recently, and he's been another hot bat as well down in the minors. And because the Dodgers are just so deep, we're not getting to see the bench players really contribute, but it's just a... A testament to how things have really changed as compared to last season in 2021. So yeah, my point is that the Dodgers starting lineup bench and some guys down in OKC, it's a very stacked, it's a stacked platter right now. And it's just hard to find all these guys reps, but yeah, kudos to guys like Rios and Barnes for just staying ready. Like Jake mentioned. So yeah, game one, the Dodgers laid a dud against Jose Quintana it happens. Let's get into the final game of this series, the early game. Making his major league debut. That's what we're anticipating. That's what Dave Roberts announced. So by the time you probably listen to this podcast, he'll have already pitched. But I'm referring to the major league debut of the 24-year-old third-round pick. He's now in the top 100 prospects. Ryan Pepio will be starting for the Dodgers Wednesday. He's doing excellent down in Oklahoma city. He's two and zero on the season has a two Oh five ERA. He's made six starts has thrown 26 and one third innings, and he's got 36 strikeouts. Uh, we can briefly touch on him because it's hard to really analyze someone that is going to throw. And we haven't seen it yet, but this is his moment. If there was one guy down in the minor league system that is ready to get the call up, it's for sure. Ryan Pepio. You can't argue with those stats. We actually had a question from Matt on Twitter at DubQuacker7. Who's the next call up? Well, I know you asked that before this was announced, uh, Matt, but it's Ryan Pepio. This is his time to shine. And, you know, there's two scenarios. He could either just go out there, dominate the Pirates, and look like the top prospect that he's projected to be. Or there's the flip side where he goes out there, he might be a little shaky, has some walks, gives up some hits, maybe some home runs gives up five, six runs. And that's not a reason to panic whatsoever because that's going to happen to a lot of guys in their major league debut. What we do know with Pepio is that he has the angel of death changeup. The scouts rate him as one of the best throw, one of the best changeups in the minor league system. And you had Moses who summoned the angel of death in Egypt. Well, soon to be Ryan Pepio is going to summon his angel of death changeup in major league baseball. And so I'll let Jake get in there. But my last point on Pepio is whether it's a good start or a bad start, this is the type of experience he needs because he's most likely going to get sent down anyways, because this is a spot start. 
because the Dodgers have just been pitching a lot in the last few days. This is the experience he's going to need so that he knows what to work on when he gets back down to Oklahoma City. And so the next time he gets the call, he can perfect those little areas of weakness. This is a perfect soft landing for Ryan Pepio for his major league debut facing the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not a, not a good lineup at all, but still major league talent. We, you mentioned his numbers in OKC. This is like facing another triple a type of lineup that um, you know, with, with a few exceptions, the, the Brian Reynolds and the key Brian Hayes of the world. And for some reason, Michael Chavis is just killing us. Um, but other than those guys, I think that he's he's going to face a lineup that isn't menacing. And and for the Dodgers, um, if they're able to put up some runs for him, um, could make him feel very comfortable. I think that um, it'll be hu- it'll be a huge first inning tomorrow for the Dodgers if they're able to maybe put up a, a run or two just to give him a little bit of cushion before he goes out there to face the bottom of the order. But I'm very excited to see what this guy can do. And like Kevin said, we're not expecting him to stay with this club uh, for now. It is a spot start. It is uh, a chance to give the rotation a, a breather. Hopefully a chance for the bullpen to get a breather too. They've been working a lot, uh, especially with that doubleheader that they had to do in Chicago because of the weather. Um, this is a real opportunity for him to show what he's got, but also to eat innings. Um, the Dodgers need him. This is not just a, oh, this is fun. You know, he's making his major league debut. No, the Dodgers really do need him. They need all the guys that they call up from AAA to help this club out to long season, um, all of that stuff. And so uh, I'm really excited to see uh, what he can do, but I'm not going to panic if he struggles. Yep. So with that, the Dodgers are going to add him to the 40 man roster and he's here to stay. So that'll be exciting for sure. I think what they're, what the Dodgers will do to free that spot up for him. We do have a couple long-term injuries. With one, we got Blake Trinan, who is expected to be out until at least the all-star break. Going to go a little unconventional, it sounds like. He wants to do his own thing. He doesn't want to consult any more doctors. He's going to rehab wherever he lives. And Trinan, Trinan's the man, you know. he He's definitely a contrarian thinker, so we'll see if this way, this way works out for him. But this is going to be a huge loss for the Dodgers' bullpen. We talk about him a lot, how valuable he is for Dave Roberts and the fireman who can just be brought in in any situation and defuse whatever was about to escalate. And so on top of that, I, I can wrongly say that this this Craig Kimbrell trade definitely matters now. It, it's a huge addition for sure, because without Kimbrell, this would be kind of a mess. It'd be a Dodgers bullpen by committee and – with that addition of Kimbrel now, you know who's pitching the ninth, so that makes Gratterall, Canely, Bickford, Hudson, you name it. They can get the rest of the job done. So while the loss of Trinan will be felt, I think we have enough guys right now in the bullpen that can definitely hold down this fort with him gone. I also like the idea of the fact that, you know, even though Trinan is actually injured, I like the fact that he's not going to be used as much. I think that this is, this kind of gives, you know, Dave Roberts a, a chance to see what other guys can fill these high leverage roles. Like you mentioned, we've already seen Daniel Hudson, Tommy Canley, Phil Bickford, Vessia, those guys and Kimbrell. Um, it'll be nice to see whenever Trinan does come back, he will be rested. He will be fresh and hopefully he can be there for the, the, the playoff stretch. I hope so. Shoulder, sur- shoulder injuries to pitchers are always scary. We saw yeah. how badly it messed up Gonsolin last year. Yeah. Well, pitch- look, if this, if this derails Trinan for the foreseeable future, maybe even the rest of the season, uh, God, he was what, – what a, what a valuable asset to have had, right? I mean, just yeah. – you know, you win a World Series with him. He he was an absolute horse. This this basically parallels the Corey Knable injury last year. He was hurt around this time of the year. We lost him for a few months. That was basically our second best setup reliever. So here we are again, deja vu. And then yep. Victor Gonzalez, who has not appeared in a game this season, he is undergoing arthroscopic surgery on his elbow. Jesus. Best case scenario right now is they project him out to – six to eight weeks 
Who knows at this point, though, that's a really dicey injury. So you can expect him to move to the 60-man, and Trinan's probably going to the 60-man. That frees up two spots. I guess they might be giving one of those to Robbie Erlin. I'm not entirely sure. Hasn't been too impressive yet. The but. Dodgers the Dodgers really do need another lefty. I think having Caleb, that, having Caleb Ferguson is going to be that guy. But here's the issue. He's been rehabbing right now in the minors. And last I checked. Been rehabbing was, for 10 years, it feels like. He's thrown four or five games now. But what's a little concerning is he's giving up runs in just about every single outing. So that's what's setting him back. A couple of weeks ago that they were saying they expected him back late April, early May. Here we are now, May 10th, still no actual update on Ferguson. So let's, well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that because he hasn't pitched in a long time. So I would, yeah, but that's true. And we got to give him as much time as we need, but he when healthy was one of the best lefty relievers, not just on the Dodgers, but all of major league baseball. And so when we get him back, that's going to be a huge addition, assuming mechanically and, Health-wise, he is still there. It's too bad that Clevenger hasn't really panned out that mu- that well because it would be really nice to have him. He's kind of that Caleb Ferguson power lefty style that would be nice to have, but he but he's not really panned out. Yeah. Speaking of more lefties, Peter Gammons recently reported that David Price is on the trading block because there's mutual agreement on both sides that David price should be starting for a team. And he doesn't really have a role with the Dodgers ever since he opted out of 2020. He just has not been in sync and hasn't been able to find a way to be built up as a starter, whether it's setbacks such as injuries or just stamina in general. So I don't know what team out there would actually give up anything of value for David price. But I heard it a couple weeks ago when they interviewed Price. You know, they asked him, uh, what are your plans to get stretched out? Do you think you can be in the rotation? And his response was just flat out, I don't know. Yeah, I think that um, what an unfortunate Dodgers tenure for him. Uh, it's, just, it's, just not, it's just not worked. Um, he has started a few games, but not that many. Um, not really a defined role coming out of the bullpen not even really good as a mop-up guy, but I don't even think you, you'd want him as a mop-up guy. What is the point of that, um, of having a guy like David Price come out of the bullpen just, just because we have him on the roster? I think that it's time for him to move on. I think it's time for the Dodgers to move on. So if they can find some team to take him, um, I think that he, he can be serviceable if he is stretched out. Why he's not stretched out for the Dodgers is beyond me. Uh, I know you mentioned the injury setbacks and all that, but it just seems a little weird to me that they haven't been able to do that with him, given how um, great the Dodgers are with pitchers. Um, But again, you know, no love lost there. Thanks for your time and uh, see you later. So some fun stats right now with your Dodgers team. They have the best ERA in all of major league baseball, 214. They've given up the least amount of home runs, the least amount of walks. And despite how good the ERA is, they have the best starting rotation with a 182 ERA, the fourth best bullpen right now, 264 ERA, pardon me. They're only 19th in strikeouts. They're in the bottom half of actually striking guys out. So I don't know if it's the defense that's getting the job done or just the spin rate on these pitches that is forcing a lot of soft contact. But the Dodgers are efficient, like I said. They know how to locate their stuff. But just a little surprising, 19th out of 30th in strikeouts. Yeah, that is a little a little weird. Um, but I, you know, if it's the winning ball games, that's all you can really ask for. Yep. And then just some other fun offensive stats. Dodgers have hit 50 doubles, which is 10th in all of Major League Baseball. The Red Sox are actually in first. They've hit only 27 home runs on the season thus far but they are second in on base percentage. Max Muncy is tied for the major league league and walks with 24 of them. Dodgers as a team have the second best on base. Like I said, 326. Um, and then in terms of run score, the Dodgers have scored 146 of them, which is the third best 
And the only reason that the Brewers and Angels are ahead of them right now is because the Angels have played four more games and the Brewers have played three more games. I, it is a little weird that the Dodgers' power numbers aren't there. I know that the ball's a big concern and all of that, but still I feel like there are, you know, once Max Muncie gets going, which, by the way, did you see him at first base tonight? That was scary. There was a couple of really close calls that he was just like, I'm not going for the tag. I'm not doing this again. Uh, we're playing the Pirates and we're blowing them out 11 to nothing. Like, I'm not, I'm not getting involved here. Um, but it was nice to see him back at first base, the quote-unquote scene of the crime um, from last year. But, yeah, I mean, I think once, you know, once – Muncie starts to figure it out. Bellinger starts to hit the ball out of the park. Uh, and also Freeman too. I mean, I know Freeman's kind of a, a doubles machine, but we know he has a lot more power than he's displaying, but he's just been so good, just so effective, oh, whether, whether he gets on base or drives in runs. I mean, it is just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch with him. Oh, he's been fantastic. 10 doubles on the season. That's the second most in the national league batting 314 with a 398 on base, 514 slugging. He's the real deal right now. He is, without a doubt, the best hitter, best hitter in their lineup, and you know he will start every single day for the Dodgers. The Iron Man, Freddie Freeman, definitely living up to the contract. What a – just not a luxury for the Dodgers lineup per se, but what a luxury as us fans just getting to watch him every day. And I know we've said this before, but and because he's essentially replaced Corey Seager in the lineup, not only batting second, wearing his number and all of that, but it is it is crazy to lose a player like Corey Seager, a talent like him, a hitter like him, and basically upgrade uh, in a lot of weird ways, um, not only offensively, but defensively and a, a clubhouse leader type of guy and, and all of that. I mean, what what a... What a signing. What a signing. I know, I know Atlanta, they got, they got Olsen and that's great. And he's, he's a great talent too, but boy, the Dodgers just stumbled into an amazing acquisition. Wasn't even their top target. It just worked out that way. I know it wasn't even their top target. And also they basically were like, what are you doing Atlanta? You're treating them like crap. All right, we'll bring them home. Yeah, thank you, Atlanta. Thank you. Um, wanted to go back to this Cubs series, Cubs series real quick. The Dodgers, of course, as you know, swept the Cubs. It was a total domination out in Wrigley Field. 20-3 to was the score amongst the three games. So the Dodgers pitching just absolutely crushed them. That first game, though, I was in attendance for. Clayton Kershaw started. He's now 4-0 on the season, has a 180 ERA, 56 um, Sorry, 30 innings pitched, 32 strikeouts, a .73 whip. Just incredible Clayton Kershaw stuff right now. So what I was going to allude to was at the game, two pitches in, I believe Wilson Contreras was the leadoff hitter in that game. And this, the entire crowd at Wrigley, which I will say a lot of Dodgers fans did help take over, so that was cool. Just the entire crowd was in awe seeing Clayton Kershaw up close in person. And I heard a few Cubs fans just murmur to themselves saying, damn, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> and while Kershaw wasn't exactly fooling everyone, he did give up a few loud outs. He still threw seven shutout innings. And that's what you'll take from the goat pitcher of our generation. I mean, I don't even remember a start to the season like this from Kershaw. Unless we're like, dating back to maybe 2016. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. He he continues to I don't I don't want to say get better, but just stay elite, I think is what I would say it is. Um his ability to adapt and adjust and grow as a pitcher um has been unbelievable to watch. And I thought you were going to say um, Cubs fans were murmuring to themselves like, damn, he's still good. Like he still can do this. Like he still can dominate a lineup. Um, I mean, just the way, it, you know, we talked about it already, but the near perfect game, I mean, the twins, the twins going into that series, their lineup was on fire and he extinguished them and just absolutely mowed them down. 
Um, it's just, it's just such a treat and I'm really enjoying getting to appreciate Kershaw for, for who he is. And I hope that everyone can kind of take, take this in as it is, because we don't know how much longer he's going to pitch, but you know, we, we just have to take it in and appreciate it. And, and we're, we're witnessing a hall of famer greatness, um, the best to ever do it. Yeah, and despite the velocity on the fastball not being there where it once was, the spin rate is off the charts, 89th percent best, chase rate 90th percent best, K rate is high, expected ERA is elite, everything just working for Clay and Kershaw right now. And yeah, it it's always nice to be the away fan and just seeing like that mutual respect from the the home the home crowd towards the opposing pitcher. And that's what Clayton Kershaw does. Well, especially those Cubs fans. That those are real baseball fans, and they're really knowledgeable. They're diehard. They show up. The Cubs Wrigley Field has never had an attendance issue, as far as I know. Um, those fans come out and support their team uh, forever. They're lifelong fans, and so they really do know baseball. And um, I, I really love coming across those fans that can really appreciate even guys that are performing uh, not for their team. So anyways, more of the story is that these Chicago Cubs got their asses kicked by the Dodgers. I witnessed Austin Barnes hit one deep against the wind for a solo home run. I think Freddie Freeman also had three doubles in that game. The Cubs defense was kind of a mess too. I think the Cubs are like the perfect example of the, how the mighty have fallen. This was supposed to be like the next big dynasty in Major League Baseball, cornerstones of Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez. And what do they do? They trade all those guys away last year at the deadline because they had made a number of bad signings, and they also traded away some top prospects like Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana. And then you look look at the Dodger side of things, where they're constantly competing every year, and despite a heavy payroll, adding all-stars, making big splashes at the deadline. They still have a top-tier farm system, top three. Every single season, it looks like, they bring up young guys that are able to contribute. They have the payroll flexibility to address the needs that will make an instant impact. So the Dodgers and Cubs, both with success winning a World Series, but now the Cubs find themselves at the bottom, and the Dodgers are still competing and contending are, are at the top. Yeah. That's sort of like the debate that you have sometimes where would you want to go all in or, or give it all up just for one world series win and, and be, you know, kind of, you know, not in the conversation every other year. I mean, that's just, you know, that, that's an interesting debate to have, you know, you look at a team like the, Florida slash Miami Marlins, you know, they, they win a world series in 97 and then they win another one in 2003, but since then have been just trash and, and, but they have two world series in however many years it's been, you know, more, they have more world series uh, rings than the Dodgers do uh, in, in, in that time period. So um you know, what would you rather have? The Dodgers have the luxury of, of kind of having both where they win the World Series in 2020 and then never stop competing because they not only have the money to do it, but they have the resources. They have a top tier scouting department, top tier um, front office that is not only able to hold on to prospects and not give them away um, and make bad deals, but also draft and develop these players as well as they do. And it, you know, it's, it's incredible. I mean, the, um, we don't know how good Josiah Gray and, and Kiebert Ruiz will be, but so far the Dodgers look like they made out like bandits in that trade for uh, Max Scherzer, who was good for what he was for the Dodgers. And, and also the fact that they have Trey Turner on this team now um, just an incredible, just awareness from Andrew Freeman and everyone of knowing when to pull the trigger and how to do it. It's just, it's, it, they, they put on a, a clinic, a masterclass every season. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because the Cubs, 
they won in 2016, but all their mistakes came after 2016, which I guess that falls on the combo of Theo and Jed Hoyer. But, you know, tra- like I said, trading those two elite prospects to the White Sox for Quintana in 2017 when they probably weren't going to win anyways. Like, what are you doing there? And then they sign you Darvis to this big contract and they basically give him away to the Padres. It's just, it's really Damn. bizarre. And they it let was- Jake Arrieta walk, which was smart. And despite all that, they still they're now they're a bottom feeder i don't i don't know what the future of the cubs lies but you ask probably any cubs fan out there they're glad that they won their one world series in 108 years or whatever it took so (laughs) good for you and you know i'd rather be a kansas city royals fan than a padres fan at this point because at least the royals had their moment recently in 2014 and then going back to actually win it in 2015 exactly exactly so after the Dodgers finish with Pittsburgh, they're going back home to Dodger Stadium and they host the Philadelphia Phillies for four games. Right now, the pitching matchups, this is an interesting Phillies team because they're off to kind of a slow start there. I under- thought they would be better than this. Yeah, they're under 500 at the moment. They have a lot of big bats in their lineup. Like Kyle Schwarber's got seven home runs, but he's batting 198. Bryce Harper's got six home runs and 19 RBIs, but he's hitting 257 with a 312 on base. Nick Castellanos off to a great start. He's looking like a good signing, 308, 371 on base. Alec Bohm, a young infielder, he's hitting 313. And then they got the established guys, occasional all-stars, Gene Segura, and then JT Riomuto. Everyone knows who he is, great catcher. Bullpen, like every year with the Phillies, very hit or miss. They got some very familiar names that star this are the stars of this bullpen. Former Dodger, now closer of the Phillies, Corey Knable. He blew a big save recently, but he's still having a good season overall. And then you got Jairus Familia, longtime Mets reliever, and then Brad Hand, who's just getting thrown all the th- thrown all over the place like a hand job in a strip club these days. <laughs> he is now on the Phillies. This is like his fourth or fifth team in the last three years. I think the Dodgers were going to face Zach Wheeler, but he got placed on the COVID IL. So did Zach Eflin. So right now we don't know who's starting the first game for the Phillies, but whoever it is, we'll be taking on. It looks like Clayton Kershaw. And then it's Tyler Anderson against Kyle Gibson. Who's off to a good start. 294 ERA for Gibson. Then Walker Buehler against Ranger Suarez, a lefty 368 ERA for Suarez. And then finally the, finale julio urias against aaron nola who's like their co-ace he's got 42 strikeouts always has a good era so the dodgers got their work cut out for them even though the re- the record of the phillies indicates they're not a great team right now i just listed you guys off like a bunch of great players so this could be a good and tight series it's going to be a fun one to watch yeah definitely and i think when you look at the the month overall this is probably one of their tougher matchups um, just pound for pound. I think that the, that the lineup is not, it's not as strong as the Dodgers lineup, but it is, it is close to, I'd say the, the, maybe the best lineup that they faced so far this season. Um, it'll be a real test for the pitchers, um, especially the starting pitchers in the bullpen. Um, but for the Dodgers, you know, they're, they're facing the, the Phillies best of what they've got. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that Wheeler will not be there and Eflin will not be there, but Nola is, is really good. Um, Ranger Suarez can be really good, uh, against the Dodgers. I've seen him kind of, uh, dominate them sometimes. So it's going that, like you said, the record is deceiving because I think this team is a lot better than their record and they just haven't put it together. And their, their bullpen has, has melted down a lot. Um, specifically against the Mets recently where they were up, they had like a seven run lead in the ninth and the Mets came all the way back to tie it and then eventually win it. Um, So the Phillies bullpen has a tendency to do that. So if the Dodgers get down in the later innings, um, there is still hope for the Dodgers to be able to come back. If that, if that opportunity presents itself. After the Phillies, I believe the Dodgers take on the Arizona Diamondbacks, which perfectly lines up now. What's going on in the NL West? Why are all these teams winning? How did the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are about to improve to 17 and 14, it appears, how did they get hot? I thought this was going to be another last place team. I'm well aware that they have a deep farm system, one of the best 
um, that's in the wings, but none of those guys are up there right now. So they're playing very scrappy baseball. Yeah, they're getting it done. They're getting it done with Peralta, Christian Walker, uh, Madison Bumgarner's not pitching that bad, and uh, Zach Gallen. I mean, it it, it it's crazy uh, that they're able to that they're able to put it together with with that roster. And then the Colorado Rockies, who are on the verge of dropping to sixteen and fourteen as they trail the Giants right now, eight to one. The Rockies, another team that they let. Trevor Story walk. They let John Gray walk. The starting rotation didn't look like it could hold up for 162 games, and it very well might not. But when you have CJ Crone, who's been a great bat, and then Chris Bryant was good till he got placed on the IL. They have a lot of guys right now just getting it done. Um, Ryan McMahon always seems to be a guy that doubles off the Dodgers. And also Freeland, who had a kind of a slow start to the season, has picked it up in his last few outings. Um, he's pitched well. And, you know, uh, Senzatella and Herman Marquez. Marquez always kills the Dodgers. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the Rockies are, are an interesting team. I don't know if this is going to hold. I, I can't imagine it will. Can't imagine it either. Eventually, two of these teams are going to fall off. But... And, and when the Dodgers face the Giants, boy, I mean, looking at that lineup, I was just like, how do they win any games? How are they not as bad as the Reds or the Pirates? It, it is just such, it's so baffling to me. Yeah, well, the the Giants right now, like I said, they have eight runs. Um, they're about to improve to 18 and 12. So they're very well in the wild card hunt. And I guess you could argue the division. And the San Diego Padres are playing some great baseball right now as well. They're on very well on their way to picking up their 20th win on the season. There's a strong case out there that Manny Machado is the National League MVP. Very early on, he's been electrifying. Eric Hosmer continues to tear the cover off the baseball. Um, but yeah, I think the Padres will eventually. What's fall weird off. is 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 that we were you know we were talking about how all of these teams kind of either gave up on or let go some of their biggest stars. I mean, or or they retired. I mean, like you know, Buster Posey retired. Uh, you know, Brandon Belt is injured. Um, you talked about Trevor story you talked about, you know, we talked about Nolan Arenado ad nauseum, uh, the, the, the D backs giving up on Paul Goldschmidt. Um, the list goes on and on. Uh, the, the Padres are without Fernando Tatis jr. And all of these teams are now winning. I, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I know it's early and, and looking at the standings right now is, is premature, but it is interesting to note that, a lot of the talent that these teams have lost a lot of talent over the years and specifically this season and to be essentially the best division in baseball is, is, is mind boggling. Yeah. And the Dodgers, as we know, they lost the series to the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. So, and yet they're in first place. So here we are, Jake, you got anything else you wanted to just cover real quick? Not really. I, I, it was it's interesting because the Dodgers ended up winning a a record one or tying a record for most wins in a season last year with with 106 wins, but it it never felt like the team was um, a dominating force. It, it and I think it had a lot to do with you know how well the Giants were playing and and how many how many days of the season that the Dodgers and Giants both won on the same day was a huge factor. That is absolutely but, what what it was. Yeah, but it. <laughs> But for for whatever reason, well, for many reasons, I think uh, this team just I feel more comfortable with this team. Um, I feel more confident, uh, even when the Dodgers are losing. Um, I feel confident that they have the ability to win at any moment. I mean, they, they've had so many big run scoring innings. Uh, they don't scatter their runs over over five innings. They they'll have five run innings or six run innings, and you you saw that today that the Dodgers ran up the score eleven to one. They can do that on any given day. Um, so when you have a an outing like the Dodgers against Quintana, who they always for whatever reason struggle against him, um, that's sort of an outlier. But what the, what is the majority is that they're not only winning, but they they have these kind of comfortable wins um 
last season, there were so many uncomfortable games and uncomfortable losses where the Dodgers just couldn't get it done in extra innings. They couldn't get it done in close games. Um, they either couldn't come back or they would, you know, blow a lead here and there. And it just feels like uh, this team just is a little more solid together. And I think that it's just, it's just a matter of one more year of playing together, being that team. And then obviously the, the additions of Freddie Freeman and, and more time with Trey Turner on this team um, has been just, just wonderful to watch. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case the rest of the year, but I just have that sort of uh, feeling. I don't know if you have the same feeling I do, Kevin, but just watching this team, it's just, I'm not, I'm not stressing out every single game like I was last year. Obviously this season started a little late thanks to the lockout bullshit. So that makes this even more of an awesome stat of where we are on this day last year, May 10th, 2021, the Dodgers were 18 and 17 through their first 35 games. The Dodgers have only played 28 games this season and they already have 20 wins. And you mentioned that they won the tying franchise record of 106 wins last season. Well, then this team is on a pace to exceed that, but there's still a lot of baseball to be played and injuries can happen. Fluky things can happen, but when healthy right now, you're seeing this Dodgers team almost every other night, just pile on the scoreboard. We talked about seven runs here and there against the Cubs basically every night. They just dropped 11 against the pirates. So this offense is getting the job done. They've, piled on numerous five run innings throughout the season. That's something that we really didn't see at all last season. So just more consistent consistency overall from the Dodgers this season, despite because they dead in the ball, not seeing the home run as much, but they're getting a lot more doubles. They're driving guys in with runners in scoring positions. So they're basically doing all the fundamentals to win games. It's also the same lineup every day with a few exceptions here and there, a few little tweaks The Dave Roberts is, has the luxury of putting the same guys out there every single day. And I think that that was a huge issue last season, again, really early and long season and all of that, but you had the, the injury to Cody Bellinger, you had the injury to Edwin Rios. You had the injury to Justin Turner, Zach McKinstry, Max Muncy eventually. I mean, it was just every other day there was a guy that couldn't be in the lineup. And so it's just uh, a real luxury to see these guys playing every day. Yeah. Bringing back an old segment now, and then we'll do our final thoughts. And out of left field, I don't even know if we've done one this season. We're going to hold off on the idiots of the week because I honestly, I can't even think of one, but I'm sure there's plenty of it plenty of them out there but so I, I traveled recently as i mentioned i went to chicago and so i got back last night and this is where the idea kind of like went off like a light bulb in my head of just like what's really bothering me and it's why are people so slow to get on airplanes and why are people so slow yes. to get off airplanes why can't this just be a fluid like mechanical line in a factory where you walk on, you put your suitcase in the overhead, overhead bin and sit down. Why is this like a whole process where we're going through like some buffet line and you got to pick and choose? It's like, you know where you're going to sit. You obviously see a spot where to put your suitcase. Why does everyone have to just take their damn sweet time? I want to sit down and get, get on the road already. I totally agree with you. And I, I too was traveling. I went to Boston and, um, my my biggest issue is is when the plane lands and you have people uh well you have people that spring up like right away like ding seatbelt off they're up but for whatever reason they're up and they're waiting but once it's time to leave they take their sweet merry time what is this you have the urgency to get up but not the urgency to leave and I don't understand. Let's go. Let's get off this goddamn plane. You know, like we've been on it for, I mean, for, to travel from LA to Boston and Boston to LA, you know, that's like five, six hours. Like that's a long flight. Let's get the F off this damn thing. Hell yeah. I feel you on that. Yeah. It's like, grab your bag and go. What are we looking around for? You, you 
had plenty of time to chit chat. I want to go home or I want to get to my destination. Just get up, grab your bag and leave. Yeah. What, yeah. what, else, and, what is the holdup? Yeah. Also, it's just, we just don't have it down where, um, the, the, the people that are stuck in the window in the middle, there's just no urgency there either. It's like when it's your row, you get the hell out and you get in the aisle and you get off the plane. Like there, it's just, they're just too, they're, it's too slow. It's too, way, way, way too slow. So yeah, thank you for bearing with us. All right, let's close the show out. Final thoughts. First up, I will say, make sure to subscribe to the Inclined Dodgers podcast. We're everywhere at this point. Uh, also make sure to go to fansided.com, read their content. There's just lots of sports going on right now. We had the NFL draft recently. NBA playoffs are in full gear. Kings are in the playoffs for the Stanley cup chase. The Lakers, I mentioned a week ago, they're looking for their head coach. That team is just a hot mess right now. I don't know what Jeannie bus is complaining about. It's like, yeah, you spent your money on the team, but you got to spend the money on the right players. Miss. But okay. But also spend spend your spend your money on putting people in positions to succeed like like the Dodgers do. Like they they basically were like we all we have all this money, Andrew Friedman, we know you're good at what you do. We're just going to let you do that. Instead, it's like they've got Phil Jackson, they've got Kurt Rambis, Linda Rambis. I mean, they've got everybody that's involved in this in this team and nobody who's running the show. Yeah, it's a it's a sitcom at this point. Um, give us a five star rating if you like the show. Leave us a nice comment, or leave us some type of joke or what you would like to see us improve on. All feedback is welcomed, of course. And then Dodgers way fan sided, they write great Dodger stuff as well. So Jake, I'll pass it back over to you. Final thoughts, what you're looking forward to the rest of this month. I know we got two thirds of it left. Ryan Pepio, man, I'm excited. I, you know, there's been a lot of hype for him. And I know that by the time a lot of people listen to this, he may have already pitched or maybe they're waking up early and they're listening to us. This is, this is going to be fun. Um, I'm excited. Like I said, soft landing for him against the pirates, you know, this sort of easing the Dodgers do a great job of easing their um, highly touted prospects into the major leagues. Um, There's not a lot of pressure on them. Um, the Dodgers already have a great foundation of a team. They're just, they need a guy for a spot start and they want to give this guy a shot. I think he's ready. Um, so I'm excited to see him pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait either. He's, this is a, this is a big moment for Brian Pepio and his family. So I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. My final thoughts. Um, I don't really have any, you know, I can't complain about the Dodgers. There's just not one area or one player in particular that's bothering me. They're all doing their job right now. And so thank you, all 26 guys. Keep up the good work. Love the bullpen right now. I mean, even the Reyes, Reyes Marantas and the, well, maybe not Robbie Erling. I don't think he's going to last, but. Maranta, big the, boy. The Marantas of the world, getting the job done as the mop-up guys. It's never easy to be like the last man out of the bullpen in these blowouts, but. Someone's got to do it. And it's really important to preserve the guys that truly matter, like the Hudson's, et cetera. So we'll see what happens with Mitch white. I know he's coming back from COVID. He should be back soon. David price also coming back from COVID soon. So just really, uh, it's a really deep Dodgers pitching staff, Andrew Heaney. He's coming back soon. Thankfully I hope because Chris sale light got to see more of him. So, all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We'll be back next week covering all the latest with the Dodgers. But until then, go boys and blue, go Dodgers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.